We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented as always by DraftKings.com. It is Thursday, September 27th. We are about 10 hours away from a certain mid-american conference all-time leading scorers 42nd birthday of course i'm talking about bonzi wells in the meantime i'm thrilled to be joined by a guest on today's podcast we have harrison wind nuggets beat writer for bsn denver bsndenver.com you can find him on twitter at harrison wind spelled exactly like it sounds he's been on the podcast before super tuned in to everything denver nuggets we had a really fun conversation about where one of the top young teams in the western conference is headed this season think you guys will really enjoy it to be honest i would put myself in the same category as d-wing Harrison Wind on the line, Denver Nuggets reporter for bsndenver.com. Harrison, we had you on the podcast around this time last year, I think almost exactly a year to this date. I know the listeners really enjoyed it, got a lot of positive feedback. So we're glad to have you back again and appreciate you taking the time. Nick, I'm happy to be on and yeah, thanks for having me. So you're covering Nuggets camp right now, which means you are actually not in Denver, correct? I think they're holding camp in San Diego. Right. I'm out here in San Diego, got here Monday night. They had their first practice Tuesday. So I'm out here 
at San Diego State, actually, is where they're holding training camp. And, yeah, they got their first game Sunday against the Lakers. Who knows if LeBron will play in that one, but they also play the Lakers next week on Tuesday, I believe, as well. So I'll be out here for both those and then, yeah, back to Denver. So they play, yeah, you said they play the Lakers twice and they play the Clippers and then they're at the Bulls and at the Clippers. So they have no home preseason games? They have one. They're playing the Perth Wildcats, I believe, from Australia. Ah, It's one of the Australian teams that's coming over. Sure, That's their one home game. Um, I think it's sandwiched in between the two Lakers games and the the two other road games. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Is there there an Australian connection in the organization or on the team that, that they would bring them in? You know, there's not, there's really not. Tory Craig, who I'm sure we'll touch on later, sure. played in the National Basketball League uh, in Australia and New Zealand two seasons ago before okay. Denver kind of plucked him out of obscurity and added him to the roster last year. But no, there's not really any connections. I'm not sure how the Nuggets wound up on the list of uh, a team that one of these Australian teams is playing in the preseason. Yeah, I'm sure it's a long waiting list. Um, so is San Diego State the location? <laughs> right. <laughs> is, uh, is this a location every year? I mean, is the idea to make this kind of more of a true bonding experience, you know, almost like a, a summer basketball camp that you would have gone to, you know, in high school or middle school? Yeah, there's a little of that for sure. Uh, the coaching staff definitely wants to get away from Denver and, yeah, kind of bring up that chemistry, bring up that camaraderie. And this is something I wanted to, to touch on here. This might be a good spot to do at the top. This team has a great chemistry to it because, yeah, they're out here bonding at training camp this week. Paul Millsap held a voluntary mini camp around a month ago in Atlanta at his state-of-the-art training facility there. Most of the guys were there. And most of the rostered players had been in Denver working out, playing pickup, kind of going through organized stuff in the couple weeks leading up to training camp. So, yeah, this is a good bonding experience from them, but this is a really tight-knit group who's been playing together for you know the better part of a month now. So you had media day on Monday. That was back in Denver, I assume. Uh, who on this roster has the most fun with the media day activities? That's an easy one. It's Isaiah Thomas. It, it's funny. This <laughs> team is so quiet, and the loudest guy is Isaiah Thomas, who's injured right now and doesn't really have a timetable for ter- to return, but he came out immediately at media day and was having fun. There's already a lot of talk about how he's been nicknamed the Stephen A. Smith of the Nuggets locker room, where he just likes to get into arguments with guys (laughs) about who's the second best shooting guard in the league. uh, What would Clay Thompson average if he wasn't on the Warriors, stuff like that. So he's definitely injected a new life into this kind of quiet Nuggets locker room. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be such an interesting case, and we'll, we'll get into Isaiah in a little bit, but just, I mean, the whirlwind that he's gone through from demanding that the, the Brinks truck would be backed up to now basically playing on a veteran's minimum is is wild. But, I mean, considering who the Nuggets have had at backup point guard these last few years, I thought that was a, you know, a very worthy shot to take on him. Well, definitely, and you're getting him on a veteran's minimum deal. There's not a ton of risk there in terms of what he's going to do on the court. And, yeah, the Nuggets are going to take it slow with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play much in the preseason and they kind of work him back into shape. So, yeah, we'll see. So this is your fourth season covering the Nuggets for BSN, correct? Yes. Okay, so how has everything changed for you, you know, since that first year to now? You know, obviously the Nuggets have kind of gotten better each year. They've improved their win totals. 
Um, but in terms of the job itself, you know, how much more comfortable are you? What kind of relationships, you know, have you been able to build, you know, not only with other media members in the market, but with players and coaches right. on this team? Yeah, well, obviously you get a lot more comfortable in a job in, you know, your fourth year doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest difference for me heading into my fourth season around the team is now I know not to you know, overreact to things, get too high, get too low, because it's a long season, man. 82 games is a long season. Everybody's so optimistic right now. You asked Mike Malone how his first couple of practices have gone. Oh, it's been you know, we've had great practices. There's so much excitement. There's so much energy in the gym. You know, if your coach probably isn't saying those things, that's likely a bad sign for things to come. But there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things that come up. It's a long season, so you got to take everything in stride, not get too high, not to get too low on this team. And, yeah, you know, you definitely develop some great relationships with guys on the coaching staff, players, front office people, Uh so it's it's been a good four years for sure. From afar, I get the impression that Mike Malone has to be one of the more media friendly coaches in the league. I mean, especially when you look at you know, I mean, the, you feel bad almost when you when you see footage from practice of Spurs reporters and you know even Jazz reporters at times. Um, I mean, is that right? Is is he someone who's pretty easy to work with? He's very easy to work with, and if you give him a good question. He's going to give you a very thoughtful answer. And uh, it's been one of the best parts about being around this team for the last four years. Um, with this coming into my fourth season is, you know, he's been around for all three of my previous years on the job. My first season was right when he first got hired. So I've kind of watched him grow into the role and, you know, he's definitely gotten more comfortable, but he's always been super open with the media um, super thoughtful in his answers. Not really a lot of topics he won't touch both on and off the court. I've asked him about a lot of current event stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Warriors reporters like to ask Steve Kerr uh, about just kind of the state of affairs in this country, uh, like a lot of Spurs reporters like to ask Greg Popovich. And he's very open uh, with answering those kind of questions. It doesn't get the kind of pub that Kerr or Popovich get when they have uh, when they address those kinds of topics, but he's very open and willing with that stuff too. So nine of the top 11 players on this roster last season uh, in terms of total minutes played were 27 or younger, Wilson Chandler and Paul Millsap, uh, obviously being the exceptions. Do you think it helps, you know, as you in your mid twenties, does it help to cover such a young team? I think they were fifth youngest in the league last year in terms of average age, right around 25. Um, I mean, guys like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley. I mean, over half of the contributors on this team are kind of in your age bracket. Has that made them a little bit more relatable? I think it can help. I'm in my mid twenties too. Mm-hmm. One thing I've definitely found though is, you know, I, I'd say this probably goes for every media member, regardless of their age. It's so much easier to talk to the younger guys than it is the older guys. Uh, like Paul Millsap is super thoughtful with his answers. Mm-hmm. So he, he doesn't have any time to, you know, beat around the bush and whatnot. I've definitely found that once those guys get that second contract, once they start seeing the real money come in, then that's when they'll be a little more, you know, standoffish and like give you a weird look or something. If you don't come straight to the point with your question. So Mm -hmm. the fact that nuggets have had a ton of young guys over the past few years, it's been great. Um, Everybody on this roster is so nice. Everybody gets along so well. And maybe that's kind of hurt them in the past because they haven't had a lot of guys with, 
a lot of edge to them. And they didn't really have somebody in this locker room last year who could really say anything to anyone. I felt like maybe Isaiah Thomas is a guy that can do that, but I, I think everybody on the team is super that, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets along really well. So yeah, it's been good. Um, so I mean, Richard Jefferson was on this roster last year. I kind of completely forgot right. about that until I started doing some research. I mean, was he not that guy? Did he just not feel quite comfortable? I mean, obviously he, he kind of made a name for himself and had so many close relationships, close public relationships with a lot of the guys on the Cavs. I mean, did you feel like he ever, you know, kind of was able to build that same type of camaraderie that we that we saw on display in Cleveland? He had a strong locker room voice for sure. But I do think he was expecting to play a little more than he did last year. I mean, he never played. He he was signed right at the beginning of the season, wasn't even available for the Nuggets opener last year, and never really got a a chance for consistent minutes or rotation minutes. Now, I don't necessarily think he deserved it. I mean, he's on the last legs of his career. I'm not sure there's many NBA teams he can help out right now. But he did have a strong locker room voice. I mean, if you look at the guys who you want to look at as the quote-unquote leaders on this team last year, he's a guy who you would point to. He's gone now. Darrell Arthur's a guy who you would point to. He's gone now. And I guess Paul Millsap is here and Will Barton, who's here, are the other two guys you would think of. Okay, a couple more things before we move into a little more um, you know, of a Nuggets preview for this season. In doing my, my research for this podcast, um, I noticed something very serious. You've compared yourself to both Rip Hamilton and Joe Harris on the pickup basketball court. <laughs> and I, mean, I, have, I have these kind of discussions with my friends all the time. I'm sure you do as well. I don't think I've ever heard either of those two players mentioned. I mean, these are two of the more grounded, realistic NBA comparisons I think I've ever heard. What, what about your pickup game makes you this unique blend of Joe Harris and Rip Hamilton? Well, I'm a system player, first and foremost. Okay, of course. I'm better on a good team, like both those guys are. Now, I'm not much of a one-on-one guy. Um, I-, I can come off screens, knock down threes. I-, I play well in a system, and I think those are two off-guards. One, Richard Hamilton, who I grew up watching. That Pistons team was like my first favorite NBA team I re- remember from growing up. And Joe Harris is just kind of a guy who... I think is a lot better than people give him credit for in uh, Brooklyn right now. But yeah, I'm, I'm a true system player uh, and an off ball guard too. Okay, so you're an underrated <laughs> system player. I mean, Joe Harris is making 16 million over the next couple of years. Rip Hamilton made like 110 million in his career. So those, maybe, maybe those aren't so bad. Do the Nuggets do, <laughs> yeah. do the Nuggets do some sort of media game? I, I think it was the jazz earlier this week where we're tweeting out a bunch of photos of all their, you know, beat writers and different outlets all come in for a day or two and go through basically a mini camp. Does Denver do anything like that? We didn't do something that formal. That looked really formal. They got uniforms and yeah. socks and everything. And then they put together a video, which I don't know, looking back on it, how many of those media members would have been up for <laughs> having their uh, basketball skills on display for right. the and NBA I- Twitter world. <laughs> But um, the Nuggets had a, a thing where we went and just played pickup at the practice facility last year. Okay. So uh, uh, th- that was a good time. It wasn't as formal as what the Jazz put on. But, uh, yeah, we have played on the practice court before, a bunch of us media guys. Who are, who are the best players in Nuggets media? Best players in Nuggets media? Um, my good friend Adam Morris, who writes for DenverStiffs.com, the SB Nation blog out here. Okay. Very talented player. What is what is uh, his NBA comp? 
Well, it's it's funny because his NBA comp is actually Nikola Jokic, really? and he's he won't get mad at me when I say this, but he's a less athletic version of Nikola Jokic. <laughs> he said this himself, if you can believe that. He's a less athletic version uh, of Nikola Jokic, but just a, a very unselfish distributing big who likes to pass and then play out the high post and whatnot. So he is probably at the top of the class when it comes to NBA media uh, basketball. Okay. So um, last thing before we move into more nuggets, one item that's been more so in the news, you know, in the overall sports journalism front. uh, And it seems, you know, especially this time of year that that it's affected the basketball journalism world more so than other sports. Uh, The athletic is growing rapidly continues to grow rapidly you know it seems like once a month you know we get these blasts of announcements on a monday that 15 new writers from all over the country uh, are joining the athletic what has that meant for bsn what is it what's kind of been the reaction in the denver sports media market um and how has that affected the way that that you guys do business yeah it's funny because we're a subscription site too and i think our prices are pretty similar mm-hmm. and we got up and running you know i'd say six months to to a year before the athletic in denver really started to take off so i felt like we had a good share of the market and then the athletic comes in you know i'm friends with nick cosmider who covers the nuggets for the athletic Mm -hmm. we're close he does great work i i think that you know the more quality good work quality reporting detailed analysis that's out there the better i I think people can justify paying for more than one no subscription site and the Athletic is a national publication. We're local. We take a hyper-local approach to coverage. So where the Athletic, and I know this is especially the case in Denver, they might not write on every single practice that happens, every single training camp practice that happens. That's what we do. So we take more of a, a hyper-local you know, mm-hmm. approach to things. But I think there's room for you know, mul- multiple sites. The more coverage, the better, I think, if it's good, if it's detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the reaction has been... I don't. I mean, it, it kind of goes both ways. You know, there's always you know, everybody's congratulating the writer themselves. You know, well deserved, almost always. Uh, and then there's always kind of this. You know, is this going to be sustainable long term? Um, I'm sure you saw the the Cleveland.com. I think their president and their editor. You know, one of his emails got uh, got leaked right. earlier this week. That was very critical of the Athletic. Um, I mean, certainly, I'm not, I'm not asking you to comment on the long term viability, but. You know, it's very interesting and, you know, just another major player in just about every market. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. But let's get into more Nuggets talk. Um, like I said earlier, the, the Nuggets have increased their win total each year that you've been on the beat. Is this the most optimism that there's been around the team since you've been there? Definitely. Uh, it, it definitely is. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is what they did last year. I mean, they won 46 games. Paul Millsap was hurt for 44 games in the middle of the season. When he came back at the end of the year, he really wasn't himself. He was playing with, like, one hand. He really wasn't able to use his left hand. And for them to win 46 games without him, and they also had losses to a lot of the bottom feeders in the West last year, like the Suns, the Kings. They lost to the Hawks last year, Dallas, Memphis. They had a lot of really bad defeats on their schedule. So, what they were able to do last year without him and all the bad losses they had, I think gives them a lot of confidence. He's healthy now. And also the roster continuity. They really bring back everybody from this team last year, except for Wilson Chandler. 
who I look at as, you know, an average, a slightly above average guy. He was one of their better defenders, and that's where they'll miss him the most. But other than that, they bring back you know, their top seven, eight, nine, ten rotation guys from last year. So there's so much continuity. And yeah, I would agree. This is the most optimistic I've seen uh, a Nuggets team since I've been around them. So where do you think their ceiling is, you know, in the Western Conference? I mean, like the the caveat with any team in the West that's not Golden State and to in Houston, you know, to a slightly lesser degree is, you know, you might have a great season. You might win 51, 52 games, but with the amount of depth that there is in this conference, I mean, a 50 win season might mean you're the fifth of the sixth seed. Like, I think it's going to look a lot like it did last year, top to bottom, where Houston and Golden State are kind of on their own tier. And then you have six, seven, eight teams, you know, all separated by two or three games. I mean, do, do you think Denver is closer to that? that top tier with Houston and Golden State or kind of closer to where they ended up last year, which was ninth, but you know, a record that would have put them, I think what fifth or sixth in the East. Right. And they were only two, I forget what it was exactly two, three games out of the three spot. I think they're in that tier again this year. They're not in the Golden State Houston tier. They're in that tier of the teams who are probably going to be seated three through nine or three through 10 possibly. Mm -hmm. And I, do you think they're ceiling? If everything goes right, if they don't have a ton of injuries, like every team's going to have injuries, but if they can navigate through that, if they get improvement from the young guys year to year, like from Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, if Nicole Jokic takes another step this year, if everything goes right, they could be the three seed. That's their ceiling. Will they get there? Probably not. I'm really high on them. I'm not quite that high, but that's probably their ceiling, uh, the, the three seed. And there's reason to think that can happen, um, but that's where I've got them on the high side of things right now. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been moving them back and forth, you know, three, four, five. I, th- I think they're definitely in that top tier, you know, within that three through nine tier that you mentioned. Like, I, I like them, you know, significantly more than I do a team like the Pelicans. Um, you know, I think the Lakers are, are going to end up struggling a little bit more than people think. Um, especially when you consider, you know, you mentioned Millsap. I mean, missing all the time that he missed, not being himself when he came back. I mean, they still finished the year, what, like 25 and 10, I think, something like that over their last 30-odd games. So, I mean, they certainly have mm-hmm. the momentum going in. And and the other thing, too, is, I mean, I don't think the Nuggets are really much of a player in the Jimmy Butler trade talks, but as long as he doesn't end up on one of these other teams, you know, in that three through nine range in the West, if, you know, assuming he leaves Minnesota and maybe goes East, I think you can kind of knock Minnesota down quite a bit, you know, depending on what they get back for Butler. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that was the team that, that Denver was competing with, you know, more so than any at the end of last season. So to me that, you know, this, this Jimmy Butler news in, in a roundabout way might end up being good for Denver. No, I certainly agree. And yeah, I don't get the sense that they were ever overly interested in Jimmy Butler. Sure. If they could get him for 10 cents on the dollar, they might, pursue that but that doesn't seem how it's going yeah and if he goes east depending on what minnesota might be able to get back from miami which seems like his most likely destination right now maybe they get back a goran Dragic and another piece yeah they can kind of stay pesky but they're not going to be as good as they were last year so minnesota is going to drop off i think portland has a real chance to drop off too just looking at a lot of their numbers from last year, and I'm just not a big fan of that roster. Their schedule is incredibly tough this year. I think there's a chance they drop all the way out of the playoff picture. So there's a great path to the Nuggets getting back in the playoffs. I've got them pegged, you know, 
not as high as a three seed, more around probably a five or six seed right now. But especially with what's happening with Jimmy Butler, there's a lot of reason to think Denver can jump a couple of these teams. Right. I mean, well, the crazy thing is no matter how you slice it, you know, you want to throw Denver in, you know, maybe knock Minnesota out, maybe you knock the Pelicans out. Like, there's going to be two or three really good teams that are going to end up missing the playoffs in the West. You know, I think teams like Dallas and Memphis and even Phoenix have, you know, kind of tried to put it out there that they're making a play for the playoffs. If they were in the East, maybe, sure. sure. But I mean, a, like a team like Dallas is pretty good. Memphis is pretty good. I mean, they're a perennial playoff team when those two guys are healthy. To me, they're still, you know, Memphis is well behind Denver, well behind the Spurs, Utah, right. KC. You know, it's just unbelievable amount of depth. I mean, there's going to be you know, uh, several top 10, top 15 players uh, in the league overall that aren't going to be making the playoffs. So what is the ceiling for the Jamal Murray, Gary Harris backcourt this season? Um, I don't think it's quite realistic to say they'll be all-stars just because of how much depth there is in the West. I mean, it just, it takes, you know, an unbelievable half season to be an all-star in that conference. Um, But that level of play, I think, especially for Harris, if he's able to stay healthy, he missed, I think, close to 20 games last year. You know, I think this is this has a chance to be the third, fourth best backcourt in the Western Conference. Yeah, I probably agree. And the guy I think you're going to see the bigger leap from next year is Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, last year was his first year playing point guard full time. His second in his second season, his rookie year, he kind of played a lot of off ball. And this was the first off season for Jamal at the NBA level where he's been fully healthy. He had surgery to uh, repair a sports hernia after his rookie year, wasn't able to really get on the practice court during the summer last off season. We know he's been hard at work in the gym. We know this is a guy who's just addicted to the practice court. So I'm expecting a huge year from Jamal Murray. He averaged like around 17 points per game last year, really found his three point stroke. I think he hit around 38% from three last year. He, in my mind, I've said this before, going back to his rookie year, I think he's got a ceiling between a Damian Lillard and a Steph Curry-type player, both in terms of how those guys play and and the impact those guys have on the offensive end of the floor especially. So I'm expecting a huge leap from Jamal this year. I don't think it's out of the question that he could average 20 points a game. I think there's a scenario out there where he might lead the team in scoring. If I had to wager on who would lead the team in scoring, I'd probably say Jokic still, but think there's a path to Jamal doing that and I think Nuggets are kind of going to give him I don't want to say the keys to the offense because that's Jokic but kind of give him much longer of a leash this year and, and just kind of let his let him do his thing on that end of the floor I like that Lillard comp you know I think people are going to look at the numbers and and maybe think that's a little too lofty but Jamal Murray is what 21 and a half I think he doesn't turn 22 until sometime in February, Damian Lillard was 22 when he came into the NBA. I mean, and obviously, you know, there's a different learning curve and whatnot, but no, I don't think that that's, that's too far off whatsoever. Uh, Nuggets haven't had an all-star since 2010, 2011. That was of course, Carmelo Anthony. Is this finally the year is, is, I mean, I think if, if they get one, it's going to be Jokic, right? Yeah, it's going to be Jokic. And that's one of my predictions. I think Nicole Jokic makes an all-star team this year, his first all-star. And yeah, like you said, their first one uh, for quite some time. I think this is shaping up to be a monster year for Nikola Jokic. And the main reason for that is because of who the Nuggets are surrounding him with and, and obviously how they like to play. Moving Will Barton into the starting lineup seems like a move that's a bit under the radar. You know, 
and for good reason. Will Barton's been a sixth man for his entire career, but moving him into the starting lineup and replacing Wilson Chandler, uh, who was probably the weak link in the Nuggets starting five last year on the offensive end of the floor. But now with Barton, you've got three guards in Murray, in Harris, and in Barton who can all play out of the pick and roll, who can all run dribble handoffs with Jokic, who all have great chemistry with him, um, who can all shoot near 40% from three. All three of those guys can do that. Barton's done it for two years in a row. And I just think surrounding Jokic with those three guys is going to just take this Nuggets offense to an even higher level if that's possible. Now it's going to hurt them on the defensive end of the floor, but I just think it's shaping up to be a monster year for Jokic obviously because he's an amazing offensive talent, but also because of the guys surrounding him. No, if the wins are there, I think he's going to be an all-star. I mean, the problem last year, at the time that voting closed, they were basically a 500 team, you know, and I think the numbers right. Were, right, were right on the border. And there's so many good big men in the West that, you know, who knows if he would have actually made it. But if, if they're sitting in the three or the four spot this time around in mid-January, I think it's going to be tough to keep him out. Uh, a reason, Nick, why I think he also is going to get in the all-star game because the Nuggets have a very favorable schedule to open things up this year. I believe they play 10 of their first 15 at home. And that hasn't been the case in either of the last two seasons. They've got up to really road heavy starts. So there's a pathway to them getting off to a really good start this year with a lot of home games too. And that will help out Jokic as well. No, that's a really good point. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about DraftKings.com. The NBA season is right around the corner. And we at RotoWire have partnered up with DraftKings.com to bring you a RotoWire six month membership for free. Here's how it works go to RotoWire.com slash DraftKings, sign up for a new account, and make a deposit of at least $10. At that point, you will get free six months of access to all tools and sports on RotoWire.com. That includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles full season draft software and much much more you get all of that for ten dollars which you can also then enter into contests on draftkings.com to win even more money we're super excited to bring you this deal again this season if you want access right away go to rotowire.com slash draftkings that's rotowire.com slash d-r-a-f-t-k-i-n-g-s and follow the instructions eligibility restrictions apply new draftkings users only see draftkings.com for details so you mentioned Wilson Chandler. I think every team in the league wants a Wilson Chandler. Maybe not the version of Wilson Chandler that the Nuggets got last year. He was weirdly bad for a lot of that season. And you know, I remember reading, you know, throughout the year there he he recognized it. You know, he just kind of yeah. acknowledged that he wasn't himself. And I think, you know, like I said, every team would want that type of guy, you know, a versatile forward to be your sixth or seventh man. They end up trading him this summer, you know, for cap reasons. The starting five for the Nuggets is as good as just about any in the West outside of Golden State. I really do believe that. But are there any concerns, you know, that without Wilson Chandler, um, you know, all of a sudden you're starting to rely even more on guys who are relatively unproven? And I'm thinking more so in the backcourt, you know, especially early on if Isaiah isn't ready. Malik Beasley, you know, I think everybody likes Malik Beasley, but we just haven't seen that much of him. Torrey Craig kind of came out of nowhere. Trey Lyles has been up and down. You know, he struggles on the, on the defensive end a little bit. Like which of these guys, um, you know, who who people on a national level might not be so familiar with, who who which of them is going to turn heads this season? Yeah, I think out of those guys you just mentioned, Trey Lyles is going to have the biggest role for this team. He's definitely getting a lot of buzz at training camp. Um, everybody's saying his body looks really great, and 
Trey Lyles came into last year with a lot of uncertainty. Like in training camp, he was battling with Kenneth Freed to be this team's backup power forward, a job he ultimately won. And then when Paul Millsap went down, he really stepped up, not into the starting lineup because the Nuggets went small ball a lot. They started Plumlee and Jokic a lot, but he played a huge role for this team when Millsap was injured. If you look back at his stats last year, when he played over 20 minutes a game, he averaged around like 15 points, shot well over 50% from the field, 40% from three. And when he played under 20 minutes a game, he was averaging well into the single digits, could not get a feel for his game, could not shoot the ball at all. So the key for him is finding a consistent role. And I think that's a priority the Nuggets are placing uh, on themselves, that training camp, finding him consistent minutes. Uh, the Nuggets want to play four big men, which is really weird in the modern NBA. And that that's just how their roster is with Millsap and Jokic and Lyles and Plumlee, who they all want to get minutes. But I do think they're definitely going to place a uh, priority on getting Trey Lyles at least 20 minutes a game on a night-to-night basis. It seems like he's at a great camp. And so that's the one guy on their bench unit, um, other than Isaiah Thomas, because he's kind of a wild card right now, that I have high expectations for. Have you had much of a chance to spend time with Isaiah so far? You know, we haven't, because the Nuggets signed him at Summer League. They did not make him available to the media in the lead-up to training camp. He spoke at media day, and that's really been it. But the one thing I have noticed about him at training camp, and we only get to watch the last five, ten minutes of practices, but Isaiah Thomas has a huge presence at training camp, even though he's not practicing. I remember walking in the gym first day of training camp here at San Diego State. Monte Morris, who will be the Nuggets' backup point guard in the preseason, as long as Isaiah Thomas is being held out, was kind of finishing up some shooting drills, going around the arc, you know, hit hitting about five threes from each spot and then moving on. And Isaiah was trailing him uh, very closely, staring at Monte Morris. He was shooting threes, not taking his eyes off him, and then just giving him encouragement, giving him advice, giving him tips and whatnot right afterwards. So he's very involved. Everything you hear from guys at practice and coaches and the front office is he's up during scrimmages yelling, like getting in people's faces, getting people hyped up. So He's had a huge presence for this team already, and he's not even playing yet. Now that's got to be encouraging. I mean, that goes that runs so contrary, I, I think, to you know the the national image of, of Isaiah after that stint in Cleveland, which you know reputation wise was obviously a disaster for him. But I read yeah. uh, Nuggets GM Arturis Karnasovas. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. So he said, "Quote: We needed it, and it needed us." And he went on to say, I think this year will be his tryout uh, for other NBA teams, which was shockingly honest. You know, I think mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't really hear, hear it put in those kind of terms very often from an executive. Uh, but is that really how they're viewing this? I mean, it's like, like we said at the top. I mean, it's very much a no-risk investment for the Nuggets money-wise. You know, there is always a chance, I guess, that he's not actually, you know, okay with this backup role and, and becomes an issue there. But, you know, based on what you just said, it doesn't really sound like that's going to be the case. Yeah, the risk is probably more like internally. If stuff was to go awry in the locker room, like mm-hmm. it seemed like it did in Cleveland and like you just mentioned there. But, I mean, Michael Malone, when he met with him in Vegas and they were recruiting him this summer and they ultimately signed him to that one-year deal, he pretty much came out and said, you know, Jamal Murray's our starter. You're going to be our backup. 
and Isaiah Thomas is fine with that. And I'm not sure there's many coaches Isaiah Thomas would have taken that from because he's got a really special bond with Mike Malone. He's a guy who he played under in Sacramento. And what Isaiah always says about Mike Malone is that he always tells it how it is. A lot of guys in this league, especially coaches, will tell you what you want to hear. And Malone's a guy that just tell you what you need to hear. And Isaiah Thomas really respects him. And there's kind of a mutual admiration between both those guys. So I don't think there's many better places for Isaiah Thomas to kind of rehab his basketball image other than Denver. He's got a coach who really believes in him. He's got a role when healthy as a sixth man that he can really excel in because the Nuggets are going to really count on him to be their main scoring, to be their main playmaking option off the bench. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. Now, at the end of games, things could get a little tricky. What if Isaiah Thomas has 15, 17 points through three quarters, Jamal Murray is going through like a two-for-10 game, and you need to make a decision about who's going to be your lead ball handler late in the fourth quarter. That's going to be a little tricky, right? and that, that's another thing you kind of worry about. No, for sure. I mean, I think I would like to think at least that Isaiah wants to be on a good team. Like to me, that has a lot of value for a player like him who is, you know, is he 30 already? I mean, he's not, he's by no means a young player anymore. You know, I think asking him to be the backup point guard behind a really good point guard in Jamal Murray for a team that might finish third, fourth, fifth in the West versus asking him to go be the backup point guard for the Orlando Magic. You know, to me, that type of situation would be a lot more toxic and it's a lot easier to to accept a role like that you know when the team is winning so I, I i'm cautiously optimistic uh, about isaiah getting back on track he's 30 he's going to turn 30 this year and I, I think the idea with isaiah is yeah you know rehab your basketball image here show you can still play at a high level show you're healthy after that hip surgery last uh, spring and then maybe regain a starting spot with a different team next season i, I think that is best case scenario for isaiah thomas Okay, I have to ask about Michael Porter. Um, is he going sure. to be a factor whatsoever this season? I feel like I keep, you know, at, at the time of the draft, it was, oh, he might just redshirt the year. You know, this is still a great value at 14. A few weeks later, all of a sudden, he says he's feeling great and he wants to be ready for opening night. Like, right. where is he actually at right now? Well, officially, he's without a timetable to return to mm-hmm. basketball activities. And if I had to wager, I'd say he does not play a role at all for this team. Uh, this coming year. I don't think the Nuggets are in any hurry to get him on the floor. They drafted him under the belief that, hey, we don't need Michael Porter Jr. to not only make the playoffs, we don't really need Michael Porter Jr. to be a four or five seed in the playoffs. So I think if the Nuggets had it their way, he wouldn't play at all this year, to be quite honest. And obviously Michael Porter wants to play. Any athlete wants to get back on the floor it's funny because you got to think about it from his perspective. He's a guy who was on top of the basketball world mm-hmm. after high school. Number one recruit or number two recruit, depending on which site you look at, McDonald's All-American game. Like hands down, unanimously one of the top players in his draft class. Then he gets injured, you know, has to sit out. And if you remember, you know, he came back at Missouri from that injury. He probably shouldn't have come back from that. He so was, he was, was god-awful in those get- games. He was terrible right. at the end of the season. So he was obviously pushing to get back on the floor from that injury. So it's no surprise that he's kind of putting out the notion that he wants to get back quickly. Mm-hmm. But from everything I can tell, the Nuggets definitely want to slow play this thing. 
he's not practicing right now. The most we've seen him do is just kind of do some standstill shooting stuff. And back injuries are tough, man. Uh, you definitely want to take that thing slow. And what they're doing with him right now is just rehab, building up his core. He, he's doing a lot of core work. That, that's what I'm really hearing. And like I said, I think if the Nuggets had it their way, he would not be a factor for them at all this season. I mean, all things considered, this roster is really in remarkably good shape. You know, when you consider they traded the Gobert pick in 2013, they traded the Donovan Mitchell pick last year. Um, you know, you kind of whiffed on Emmanuel Moutier in 2015. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Tyler Lydon. I feel like I haven't heard his name since draft night. Uh, maybe you can shed some light on that. But I mean, when you land your franchise player in the second round, you know, and obviously you hit on Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and, and getting Paul Millsap in free agency, it's, it's just remarkable to me how well this roster has come together despite some pretty big misses in the draft. I mean, do you get, do you ever get the sense that there's some internal regret, you know, about Gobert or especially Donovan Mitchell last year? The Gobert one, no, because that was Tim Connolly's first draft. I think he got the job like a week or two before yeah. the draft. And you know, from what I heard, there might've been some, uh, some orders to just sell that pick at, at the end of the first round with the team they were bringing back. Um, the Donovan Mitchell one is, is weird. There were some trade Denver had on the table that night that could have gone through that didn't go through at the last minute. And yeah, there's probably some regret over that pick for sure. Um, but what the Nuggets got back in that deal is Trey Lyles. And right. that's a big reason from what I can tell that they made that deal in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they're really high on trail outs to this day. Tyler Lydon, I wouldn't expect him to play much of a role this year either. He had uh, he had knee surgery, I think, for a torn meniscus or meniscus surgery uh, last season. That kind of ended his rookie year in the G League prematurely. He did not look really recovered from that at Summer League. But from everything I've heard, he's looked good at training camp so far. But still, he's still buried on the depth chart at power forward and even small forward uh, that I wouldn't expect them to have much of an impact this year. Okay. A couple more quick things. Then we'll wrap this up. You mentioned Monte Morris earlier. What is going on with Monte Morris and Amber Rose? I don't think I can remember a more <laughs> random NBA player. I mean, Amber Rose is a notably bigger celebrity than Monte Morris. Like, do you have any background on how that developed? Well, the only background I have is that I don't know if Amber Rose is from Colorado Springs, which is about an hour, hour and a half south of Denver, but she has family in Colorado Springs. Okay. And she's in Colorado a lot. Um, so that's obviously the connection. It's not like she's uh, she live, she might live full-time in L.A. or New York or whatever, but she's in Colorado quite a bit. Um, I'm just impressed that Monte Morris was able to get Amber Rose on a two-way contract. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm most impressed with. Yeah, I mean, that's then, the finesse you know, of the year. Obviously, he's yeah, obviously he's got the guaranteed deal since then, but they initially started dating on a two-way contract. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, thoughts on the new uniforms? I like the new uniforms. Um, Me too. The Nuggets, Nuggets have been trying to remake kind of their image and colors over the past couple of years. They Ever since this new regime came in, they've been trying to distance themselves from the powder blue that's obviously synonymous with the Carmelo years. I like the uniforms. Uh, they're trying to get a little like Colorado flag vibes going with the uh, blue, red, and uh, mm-hmm. yellowish. 
I like the red in the edition this year. Their third uniforms, the ones that say Mile High City, that's kind of that, it's like a bit of a lighter blue than their normal dark blue are really clean. And from what I've heard, the fourth uniforms, which are white and kind of skyline-ish, but not the true rainbow skyline uniforms, I think fans are going to really like those too. Yeah, I love the new sets of logos too. I mean, they, not that the Nuggets had poor branding before, but I thought it was an upgrade pretty much across the board. And the nice thing is too, and this is just really nitpicky as someone who cares a lot about this stuff, is they actually match the sponsorship logo to the colors. Like it's super, super annoying when you have <laughs> right. like a green jersey with an orange logo on it. They Is it Waste Management? Is that their, I can't quite make it out here. Is that their sponsor? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it looks good. I, I think those will be positively received. Um, what are going to be your league pass teams this year? Oh, man, my league pass teams, well, let's see. I mean, it's so tough, man. Like, the West is so watchable. Yeah. One through nine, one through ten in the, in the West is so watchable. I'm everybody but the Kings. I'm fascinated to watch Boston, though. <laughs> right, everybody but the Kings. I'm fascinated to watch Boston. Um, I'm fascinated to watch Dallas with Luka Doncic, a guy who I had number one on my draft board. I'm fascinated to watch Phoenix, too, with Aiton. I think this draft class was so exciting that a lot of these first-round picks are going to be kind of must-see TV early in the season. Yeah, even even the bad teams in the East. Like, Orlando's been so unwatchable, but if those guys stay healthy, I think they'll be a lot of fun. Like, Chicago's going to be a lot more fun. Even New York, I mean, especially once Porzingis gets back. But, no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm going to be watching as many of those late TNT West games as possible. All right, a couple more. For sure. Um, what are your Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals matchups? So I will go in the West. Um, I'll keep it traditional with Golden State and uh, Houston. But obviously, I think Houston took a step back this year. I don't mm-hmm. think they're a lock by any means to get to the Western Conference finals. That's who my pick would be. Um, like if we're talking regular season, I'd take them probably over the field to be the two seed. But if we're talking playoffs, I'd probably take the field over them to get to the conference finals. That's kind of how I see it. In the East, I will go with Boston for sure. Uh, I think they're probably going to win 60 games. I'm super high on them. And then I'll go with Philly uh, to meet them in the conference finals. Okay, I'm with you on Boston, and I'm with you on Philly. I think Toronto's going to be good. I think Milwaukee, out of that mid-tier in the East, you know, if everything breaks right for them, you know, this could be the year. Um, but Boston's just way too deep. And Philly, like, I mean, Philly had lost a couple of pieces. I mean, Ursan, Bellinelli. But, you know, you're bringing back, obviously, Simmons and Embiid. You bring back Redick. You add Wilson Chandler, who, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of off the bench. And if they get even, like, 80% of what we thought Markel Fultz would be, I feel like we're underrating right. what how big you know that could be. I mean, this is a team that was running out T.J. McConnell, who you know I like T.J. McConnell, but he's not that great overall. Jared Bayless, that backup point guard, um, you know, just having another dynamic young piece, I think, is going to add a ton to them if if he's healthy. And Wilson Chandler in a role where he's probably going to play less than he did last year in Denver. Right. I I can't imagine Chandler playing more than you know twenty five minutes a game in Philly. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a really nice role for him where he's not really counted on to do that much on the offensive end of the floor, just hit a couple open corner threes, get out in transition, and just defend. I think that could be a really good role for him. Okay, final thing. Um, this is going to be the debut of a new segment, Basketball Reference uh, Nickname Roulette. 
Uh, as you're, I'm sure you're aware. I mean, I'm sure you're on <laughs> Basketball Reference as much as I am. I love Basketball Reference. It's probably my favorite website. It has tools that no other website comes close to matching. The one area in which it really needs to improve is nicknames. It Anytime a player has been called any nickname by anyone in their life at any point, it apparently gets added to Basketball Reference. Um, so I've swept through the nuggets. I've picked out five nicknames, four of which I don't think I've ever heard. One, maybe. Um, so I'm going to give you the nickname, and you have to tell me which player this is on the roster. Okay. Let's okay. We'll start with the Big Honey. Big Honey. That's Nikola Jokic. Okay, so that's a that's real one. His, uh, it's, I mean, his nickname is The Joker. Everybody right. on the team calls him The Joker. Big Honey, man, I'm not sure if that was fan created. I think that might have been from Nuggets Twitter. I don't really remember the origin of it off the top of my head, but it's kind of got some momentum. But Joker is what all his teammates call him. It's just easier to say. So that's what he's kind of been known as. But I have heard Big Honey before. Okay, I'm impressed. You're one for one. Number two, The Mutant. The Mutant. The Mutant. Is that Malik Beasley? (laughs) Yes, it is. That is, yeah. Is there a story um, behind this one? I don't know if there's a story behind it, but like Malik came into this training camp absolutely jacked. He's been living in the weight room. Um, I got Summer League. It was obviously his third year there, but or I mean, second year playing at Summer League, third league, third year in the league coming up. But he was just so much bigger than all those guys. Okay, I this, might have seen a couple of these two on basketball reference. So. Okay, yeah, it's okay. So this doesn't count. You've cheated. I, I kind of should have thought that maybe you had checked out the Nuggets basketball reference pages before. Um, okay, Blue Arrow. Blue Arrow. Oh, that's easy. That's Jamal Murray, of right. course. Right. That, that's the one that I figured you would for sure get. I vastly underestimated your nickname guessing abilities. Uh, number four, the Anchorman. The Anchorman, Paul Millsap. See, that's another one outside of Denver. I don't think, like, if I said that to my friends who follow the NBA, they would have no idea who I'm talking about. Did he have that in Atlanta? Yeah, I think he had that in Atlanta, yeah. Oh, wow. Jeez. Okay, well, we'll finish up with this one. (laughs) We'll finish up with this one. Big game. Big game. Monte Morris. Big game on and off the court. Jeez. (laughs) So is that where this is from? Is is it an off-court nickname? No, I mean, he's had that. I think that's been, like, his Instagram handle forever. Okay. Um, or his Twitter handle. I'm not sure the uh, origin there. Okay, well, this is just a poor research job. I mean, five for five, though. Very impressive. <laughs> okay, well, I'll let you go. Uh, I know you have practices and whatnot to get to this week. Obviously, a very busy time. Do you have anything you want to plug? I know you've written and podcasted plenty on BSN recently. Yeah, bsndenver.com. All the latest from training camp, of course, and... Yeah, we do a daily podcast, the BSN Nuggets podcast, Monday through Friday. And yeah, I've been doing it from San Diego solo here uh, this week. So definitely check that out. All right. Will do. Well, thanks again, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem, Nick. Thanks for having me.